Thanks for joining us on the MBP, the Micah Brown Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Brown, and here I want to connect you to some interesting people in an intentional way. We do that by focusing on two main things. One, focusing on the person. Everybody goes through stuff. We all have obstacles that we face. Somebody that you may walk past on a daily basis may actually be one of those incredible people and you just don't know it yet. A lot of times as Americans, we want to jump straight to what do you do for a living? And we skip right past all the personal stuff that we've been through. A lot of times we want to label that as unprofessional and I would beg to differ. I think that by being more personal, being more intentional with our conversations, we can actually get a lot more accomplished holistically as human beings. So that's what we try to focus on here. Anybody that I interview, I want to ask what obstacles they've overcome and how it's affected them. Sometimes we'll just jump straight into it without asking the actual question. Either way, when you listen to an interview on this podcast, I want you to have met somebody in an intentional way. And the second part, get to know what they do as a profession. It is part of their life after all, so why not get to know what they do? But we don't start there. We will end there. And as many of our people that we get to interview, you'll see, they actually do some pretty incredible stuff. And we don't want to miss out on that either. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, a fantastic way to support would be to use that Audible free trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. That's audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. That'll get you a free 30-day subscription to Audible for free 99. And if you want to keep going after that, that's up to you. Either way, that will help out this podcast continue to truck on forward, paying for all sorts of things behind the scenes that I didn't realize cost money when starting this whole thing. But they do. Nonetheless, we appreciate you guys uh, for helping us out. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Let's get to it. Let me stop you right there. So if you are jumping in on this episode and you have not listened to the first part of the interview with Alvin and Kevon, this probably isn't going to make any sense if you keep listening after my little interlude here. So I recommend if you have not listened to the first part of this interview, go back and check out part one then hop back to this one. It'll make a lot more sense. It's kind of like if you are in the middle of a series on Netflix and you just jump in on episode five. It wouldn't make much sense because you missed the first four episodes. Anyway, I recommend you go back, listen to the first part, then come back in, join us midstream here. It'll make a lot more sense. So without further ado, again, welcome to the podcast. I was going to say two things. One is with the whole idea of like saying it's modern day slavery. Cause I, I, I know for a fact there actually is modern day slavery. Um, even if you want to talk about like sex trafficking and stuff like that, exactly. Uh, which I, I think would be something worth talking about on a, on the podcast. But, um, with that, how, what would you say? Cause I, I know right now that there are people that will hear this and everything you just said and be like, are you serious, Alvin? slave trade it's in if how else are they going to test them how else are they going to figure out if they're a good athlete or not like they want it to be in the nfl so how do they how are we going to assess what's going on there and then so i, I want to address that and see what you would say to that to give you an opportunity to respond to the hypothetical situation that i'm playing out in my mind um but then also at the same time with what you were talking about with the whole quota situation of like having enough people of color in particular roles or in ownership and all of that I I know that there is a danger of oh we just got to check a box and oh we just got to like make sure this is happening oh well then 
are we actually, is it becoming tokenism to say, oh, we do have that one black owner and, oh, we do have that one black coach. Like, look at this. Look at our perfect guy right here. The problem is, is that in that particular situation, the way I see it is that you're addressing a, a very tiny little sliver of time and what's right now happening. And what you don't address when, you're, when people are acting like that, what you don't address is everything that came before that that led to this moment. So why do we even get to, well, you gotta have, we got to have a quota. We got to have some sort of, because black people weren't being hired. Black people were being overlooked for particular right. roles. So if you're going to constantly overlook, if you're constantly going to not put them in positions that, quite frankly, they are perfectly capable and perfectly qualified to be able to, to run those roles, well, if you're not going to do it, then we do need to set a standard. So people want to focus on like, wait, you have a quota now? Doesn't that degrade the, the black person that gets that role? No, it's because you were actually overlooking them for the last 10 years. And now that you have a quota, you're now being forced to look at him a little bit more appropriately and say, actually, he would be the person to fit this role. So as a white person and hearing other white people, they're like, oh, well, this is stupid. And why, why should there be a quota? Like everybody has the same opportunity. In fact, they don't. And historically, you can look at that by the current makeup of the NFL, the current makeup of the NBA. And I, I have clearly, I'm standing on my soapbox as I'm saying all this. <laughs> I clearly have an issue with the way that that's all being handled. So, um, but back to the first question, if somebody wants to argue and say, well, Alvin, okay, I, I can kind of get behind like the similarity of the historical slave trade versus how people are assessed within a sports and athletic setting. But Alvin, it's a little bit of a stretch to say like this is modern day slavery when how else are they supposed to assess them? Yeah, and, and so in most cases, most of these, it's not like um, it's your first time to see this player. Think about it. You're not, it's not the first time that sure. you've seen this player. In most cases, they've gone through high school. They've gone through college. And there is a set standard for character in which a way a player has um, carried him, him or herself. And so I look at that and I go, you're getting the character, you're getting how they live life, but you're also, you're also seeing them before that. And so to, to that end, I'm like, what more would you want? Like, it becomes a, a question of, and, and, here, and here's where it really hits home. This all really comes down to money. That's what this comes down to. The only reason I'm trying to test somebody is testing whether or not they're going to be a good investment for me. That's it. That's I it. Mean, if we, if even we to argue that, at, like you can look at their background and know if they're going to perform on a field. Oh yeah. And, he, and even people that played well in college don't always translate well to, to NFL and people who were terrible in college sometimes end up being awesome in the NFL. It's a different game. Right. So, um, even not only that, argument, it, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of discard. It, it, so think about all the players. And I never understood this from my dad when he, he used to say this, he's like, Son, I'm telling you, some of the best players are on the street. They never yep. made it to the league. And I was like, yep. that, that, that's not possible. He's like, no, I'm telling you, it's possible. 
some of the best folks, some of the Usain Bolt, some of the Michael Jordans are walking around on the street. They never made it to the league. And it's like, they never made it to the league because there was a system that was already set in place. Again, now we kind of circle back around to, if I'm going to make it to the league, what do I have to do? I have to assimilate to play to a certain standard of rules. That's why you got things like uh, back in the day, like and one. Some of those guys were some of the best street ballers, but they could not assimilate to the, the standard in which was played by the NBA. And so there you have it. It's I'm, I'm back to systems, rules, policy, structures, and that's what it is. I mean, think about slaves. Well, slaves weren't allowed to read. Certain things were torn out of the Bible. Because if, if someone read it and got it in their mind and they were like, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, I know that's what you believe, but you're treating me less than such. So, you know, it's it's one of those things of, for me, I get, I get back down to it's money. And, and that's what slavery was about. Money, control, power. And it's the very same thing. I don't care how you get there. But at the end of the day, it's these things that these folks are, are holding, um, you know, close to their hearts. Man, I would, I, w- I would love to jump in on that. So I, I love football. I coach football. I love basketball. I coach basketball. Um, I actually just did a podcast yesterday with your brother, Micah. That was about sports and this entire <laughs> oh boy. thing. Yeah, I, I need know. to go listen to that because I know he can get heated pretty fast about certain, <laughs> we'll say, a team, a, a particular <laughs> team that starts with A. <laughs> <laughs> yes and so um I, I used them as an example too because of that um but if you look oh, at boy. these teams <laughs> i'm just gonna stick with the pros for now i won't even look at college because what alvin said is right oh, if you boy. look at if you look at someone's college career you can see what they've done why do you need to parade them in front of people put them up in front of like you know owners i mean just the, the name we'll put them in front of the owners and let the owners decide which ones are the best picks. Now, you want to talk about, hey, they make blah, blah, million dollars. Let's say um, uh, an average player in a team that shall not be named here in this state, an NFL team, somewhere around where Alvin was, uh, is this from. I don't know whatever team that may be. Let's unnamed average, team. Yes, got it. Unnamed is team it, is it America's team? Ah, uh, see? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. It's America's team. (laughs) Let's say that team has a player and the average salary is $4 million. Micah, I'm pretty sure you and I would be happy to make $4 million a year. Like me, you, and Alvin would be like, that sounds great. Yeah, no complaints over here. No complaints complaints. whatsoever. Now, what about when your owner, I mean the owner, is worth $8 billion? I'm like, wait a second, let me do some math. Because in our minds, when we say that, it just, it doesn't make sense. $4 million, $8 billion, it's all the same. It's more than I have. But when you figure it out, $4 million is 0.05% of $8 billion. Not 5%, exactly. not 0.5%, 0.05% of $8 billion. They are making so much money with the team that, sure, I'll give you $4 million. That's nothing. Sure, quarterback, I'll give you $20 million. That's nothing. I am making all of this money. And when you say, hey, I need you to stand there and I need you to jump this high and I need you to run this fast and I need you to strip down and try to lift as much as you can instead of throwing that cotton in that bales of hay. Hey, I need you to lift this weight as many times as you can. How many times did you hit 225? 
then you start to realize, oh, this isn't good. And then you're locked into your agreement. If I want to go to another city, I can't move. Uh, you, you own me basically for six, seven years. And then you can trade me to another team. And the only way I get out of this is if I quit and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Or you get waived. Or you get waived and now it's all over. And what do you do? You hope someone else pick you up. Like the whole thing is complex and it's all for our entertainment. And this right. is what's hard about it. Like, and if you told me that right now, all of those teams, let's say they still were owned by white owners. There's only one team that's not, but it's still not black owned. Let's say that all of their um, front offices had black, Latino, Asian, GMs, presidents, um, staff. We would feel different about it because they would be making decisions that care about the players. When we were on this podcast, I talked to we we're talking to Brad Smith, who's a former NFL player, and he says the levels are set up in the way that players on the bottom level, coaches on the next, and the executives are on the top level. And you don't go up there. You can't just go up there. You got to get an invite. There's clear separation, yeah. and those are some of the dividing walls that need to come down, um, just for the sake of entertainment, money, and power. And that's. Uh... I, I know I've talked to Brad because I was in a D group with him and Brett, both guys who have played in the NFL uh, for different teams as well. So it's not just a, you know, one unique experience. It's they've seen it at different levels. Brett being a white guy, Brad being a black guy, they both have seen how they're individually treated. And then they've seen how other people that are their friends are treated. And it's, it is a very interesting um, industry and it, and it sucks because we, it is, it is an entertainment industry. So, you know, they get money because we pay them to do X, Y, and Z. And I mean, you, you have guys just to paint a picture, you have guys in a stadium down on the, the bottom floor from all the high rise seating and you have guys just duking it out and their owners are making money. Sounds a lot like a Coliseum and people fighting oh. for blood down on the bottom floor but because they have fancy logos and they have fireworks going off and sound systems and stuff like that, it's, it looks neater and no, they're not killing each other. I mean, you could run the argument of like, well, if you get a concussion Whoa. enough times, then you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so over time, yeah, it could, it could uh, pan out to that. But I think that from a personal standpoint, I do, I do see what you're saying. And I, um, I don't know how to fix that necessarily outside of getting new, management new executives new that sort of thing of just having the players maybe ascend to the ranks of ownership ascend to the ranks of the executive board of a team if that sort of thing exists i'm pretty disconnected from sports i'm going to be honest with you guys so um, i i understand what you're talking about i'm more of a video game person or play the sport i don't really like sit and watch sports even like fantasy football stuff i'm like i don't know i just pick somebody i don't know what to do with this Anyway. Man, you said something um, that was real. That was real important, though. You said ascend to the top. So there are three black head coaches in the NFL, and there's a whole bunch of coordinators and a whole bunch of assistant coaches, but they can't get to that top spot. And then when you work through the other ranks, they can't get there either. And I think one thing needs to be clear when we're talking about this and we're talking about pros, it's different than college, and it's definitely different than high school, you yeah. know, or even pee wee. Like I, I, I love football. Like my kids play football. I coach football. But when you get to the top and it just becomes about a business and money, that's very different than the sport on a lower level. I mean, it's, it's very different. But there are coaches, if you just start to look at it, there are coaches that are trying to move up to make a difference, but they, they get blackballed. They get railroaded. They don't, they're not able to make it there because 
they won't hire him. And the Rooney rule works for us and against us. You've seen people right. that are like, oh, I know so-and-so is the next head coach, but we got to hire, we got to interview a minority. So they bring in this guy and he'll blow him out the water and then never get a shot. And the only one that's really mm. done this, the, where it actually worked out was with the Steelers and with Mike Tomlin, where they, you know, they started the Rooney rule. And um, so they bring him in because they needed to and they realized, oh, this guy is great. This is why we do this. And people just have to use it correctly and not abuse it. They can't make it a system where they get around it and say, I'm going to bring Alvin in because Alvin knows something about domains and investing. I'm going to bring him in. And he's this guy here. And then they talk to him. They're like, oh, Alvin should run this. Yes, he should. You weren't even going to bring him in. You completely ignored him. And don't make him a token now. Don't parade him like, hey, look, we have our black executive now. So we've made it. No, like make sure that he has some say-so and has equal footing at the table. Yeah, I love that. And I'm even thinking uh, a different sphere in which we set standards, but then it becomes more about the standard and following the check boxes rather than the heart of the Uh, issue. I mean, you and me, Kivon, we we have been in the teaching world. We know all about having those standards that you got to meet and you got to test to. And and I've, I've had the argument with other people that idealism and reality are two very different things. Ideally, even with the Rooney rule, it sounds like, you know, you're trying to get black guys who are qualified into those positions. So you set the rule of, you got to at least interview some, right? With the teaks and the star testing and all of that, the idea is, yes, we would love to have everybody that graduates from a Texas high school be at a certain standard where they're educated, they're ready to perform in college, they're ready to have a better life than they would have if we didn't have these standards. And instead, you skew everything so that the reality is actually we got to teach to these tests. We got to make sure that our students know this stuff. We're going to actually judge the teachers based on how the students perform and the students are performing based on all the pressure that they're getting from parents, from teachers, from admin, from coaches, everybody that's saying you've got to perform in this exact way. Otherwise you're not going to have a successful life when behind the scenes it's like, Oh, well actually, um, so Mr. Brown, you have these three students and they're actually and I'm about to pull back the veil on some stuff. Uh, this is in a local ISD, but you, you've got these three students and they're actually in this quadrant. So we're going to actually need you to, um, the students over here in this quadrant, we just need you to let them just keep doing what they're doing. And just if, if they have questions or something, like they'll figure it out. But we need you to actually spend more time with these students in this quadrant. And I, I want to pipe up and go, I'm sorry, they haven't done homework all, all year long. And I, I've, I've done everything that I'm supposed to. So how should I be focused on kids who aren't, aren't doing what, what is expected them? That's then falling back on me, which then gets back to the whole standards of like, oh, the teacher, their students are not doing these things. They're not testing to this level. So that's their fault. All that being said, in the idealism is we need to have more people of color, black people, Hispanics, in these positions of power within the NFL, the NBA, whatever other situation you want to call out. But the realism is that, honestly, it sounds more like the Jim Crow laws where it's like, oh, well, we did it. See, we follow the rule. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're technically free. But, I mean, they, they, didn't get to, they didn't get to the voting booth on time. So, I'm sorry. Like, I, we, we had it open. You could have come. You, we wouldn't have stopped you if you got here. But, ah, dang, it closed 10 minutes before you got here. Look at that. 
So I, there are all sorts of things that I, I could go on about, and I'm sure we could. Um, I wanted to ask this because this is one that I'll admit openly on this podcast. I used to fall on this side of the fence about this. It's the phrase, all lives matter. I used to think that, well, obviously all lives matter. Like, why, why are we so focused on one group? I don't understand this. Like, why is it offensive to you that I'm saying all lives matter? I don't understand this. Now, my, my mind has been changed. I have now seen what that means to people. It, for people who read the Bible, I've, I've heard the example. I think, Kivon, you've even posted about this. But the guy is saying, it, the Bible, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are these groups. He doesn't just say, blessed is everybody. Right? He calls out very particular groups. At the same time, when yeah. the Boston Massacre happened, Boston Massacre, the Boston bombing uh, Boston Massacre was a long, long time ago. Uh, but when the Boston bombing happened, everybody's standing with Boston. When the shooting in Paris happened, everybody's standing with Paris. One in Florida, everybody's exactly. standing with Florida. And nobody ever had an issue with like, listen, all the cities of the world matter, okay? It's not just Orlando. It's not just Paris. It's not just Boston. Mm-hmm. All the cities matter. So let's just calm down. So I want to know from you, from both of you, we we've talked on um, on my podcast. We've talked about intention versus perception. Somebody may have the best intentions, but I want to hear from you. What is communicated when someone says all lives matter, Kivon, all lives matter, Alvin, what's communicated to you? Well, this is the thing that gets me. It's a response to black lives matter. Right. If it wasn't a response, it'd be different. If all lives matter had been a phrase that we were chanting since we were kids, and we used that to say that, man, we're trying to elevate everyone in America to the same level, and we want liberty and justice for all. We want to believe that all men are created equal. And because of that, we chant all lives matter. And then someone else came back later and said, no, black lives matter. Well, that's in response to that, but it's not. It's flipped around. No one said all lives matter until someone said black lives matter. So when you respond to it that way, it's no different than all the examples you have, Micah, which are brilliant. They're all, and they all, they're all the same. I can say, hey, you know what, man, my sister has leukemia. So I'm raising awareness and support for leukemia. And someone would be like, no, all cancers matter. All people with all cancers, you should be raising support for them. You should be raising support for breast cancer. You should be raising support for colon cancer. And I'm like, Yes, I agree. Those are all important. Right now, I'm talking about this issue. Well, I don't want to talk about that issue. Okay, I got you. So I think that if it wasn't a response, then it'd be perfectly fine. When I hear All Lives Matter, I hear someone saying, I'm unwilling to go with what you're saying about Black Lives Matter, which at the heart of it is, hey, we need a change of how America looks at these issues. We need a change. In, we need some police reform. We need some systemic issues to be changed from the top level down. Black Lives Matter. Therefore, we want change to happen. And you're saying all lives matter? Well, that means you're saying, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not important. We're all important. Me as X race, X orientation, X whatever, that's more important than what you're saying right now. So it's, it's a slap in the face to Black Lives Matter. Alvin, is there anything that you wanted to to add to that? I mean, I feel like Kevon said it pretty succinctly, but if there's anything you want to, yeah, yeah, I think in, in terms of Kevon's right, in, in most cases it has been in response to, 
And and really, that's just a, another way of saying, <laughs> and I use this term loosely, but for some people, it it is a, um, it's a nice way of saying I hate black people. <laughs> that's what I mean. We really, if we really want to play semantics, that's what we're really getting down to. Well, that's what we really hear. I hate black truth, people. That's what I hear. Yes, that's what and, hear. and that's. You know, and it's like, I hate to cut to the point like that, but at the same time, I go, we've just decorated this, and it's all about semantics. So, like, if, if and I'm going to take this, so all lives matter. Okay. It is a good phrase, but not in response to Black Lives Matter, because that's the situation at hand right now. So, we think about the, the uh, Constitution. So, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal well time out we were writing this and that wasn't the truth not the truth at all yep and so it's all about semantics i i give you um another example of and this is and this shows you kind of what happens at how policies frameworks and everything are laid out so there was this uh human rights bill in san antonio and you know, people were going around, hey, human rights, human rights, human rights. Well, if you got into the details of the bill, there were some things that were in the bill that would have even made me pause. And I was like, ooh, but I saw what was happening. It was a game of semantics. You don't want to be the person that is against the human rights bill. Think about how that sounds for a minute. Now, that could have put in there, hey, we're going to behead, you know, every black person in this bill. But and that could have been very deep. But the reality is you don't want to be the person that's against human rights. Why? Even though you might not like something in that bill, it's a game of semantics. People aren't paying attention to the details. And so you start looking at Black Lives Matter. For some people, they can't get past just the nature of the darkness of their heart to go look at the details. Mm. And so when they hear Black Lives Matter, really it's, it's saying to them that when they say all lives matter, they're saying my people group is superior. You're inferior to that. And, they, and mm. I go, well, let's get away from the, the mantra. Let's get down to what truly your heart is saying. If you're saying I hate black people, I hate anybody other than white people, white people are the best, I'd rather you say that than, you know, dance around these semantics. And so I had a gentleman the other day who responded to a podcast that I did um, for the domain industry. And for those who don't know the domain investing industry, it is predominantly a white male driven industry. And so oftentimes it is thrown around that oh, well, domains, they don't, they're irrespective of color. They don't care whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're anything in between. Domains don't care. So you can make as much money or as little money as you want. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll walk with you on it. But here's where I got you. When we go to sell a domain, people look up who owns these. Guess what? You get to put a picture out there. If I put a picture out there, that may impact my way of life. Why? Because if somebody is on the other side of that purchase and they're saying, I'm not going to buy from a black guy. And if I am going to buy, he's going to give me a better deal because he's inferior to me. Now, that's not everybody. And I do realize that there are other people out there who that would not be a problem to that. But in terms of this industry, for the majority, it floats that way. 
So that being said, now we come back to this episode. They post an episode on Twitter, and literally the guy responds, all lives matter, double exclamation. And I was just like, oh, okay, I see what you're, I know what's going on. Number one, did you watch the two-hour episode? Let's start there. Probably not. If you just post it and then he makes a comment right after, there's no, he hasn't been there for 120 minutes. Exactly. And so I go, and then not only that, I know he didn't watch it because I closed the show out. And I was talking about how all humanity matters. Yes, I said, but right now, black lives are on fire. I was like, we're, we're, we're dying every day. Yes, people are dying, but we are dying at an alarming rate. And so I went back and I responded to him and I said, yes, you have a point that all lives do matter. Yes, you do have that point, but not at the expense of one race being superior over another race's life to the point of death. Like, and that has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. I'm like, that's a point of life or death for humanity. And that's what we've been fighting from day one is to be be treated humanely, both sides, everybody involved, to be treated humanely. That's yeah. what we're arguing about. But we've had to come out with movements like Black Lives Matter. There are black people who don't like Black Lives Matter. Sure. They're like, you should pull up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps like I have. Well, everybody's not like you. And so it takes people like even myself, I I look and I go, I've had, you know, a great career. I've got to work. I mean, I was working with C-level executives at 19. Hmm. I've had a wonderful life. But for me to turn my back on someone who's marginalized or disenfranchised, who didn't get the fair shake, well, any and everything that happens to me, I deserve it for not picking that person up, for not picking up that person of color or any person for that instinct, for that matter that falls into, um, you know, the category of being marginalized or disenfranchised. And so, so you're, you're saying that somebody who has had a different experience than you should still be treated like a human being. Oh, totally. <laughs> I just had to say it like that on purpose because I, I feel like whether whether it's totally. you, Alvin, be, being black but having a very different experience than other black people, going, yeah, I mean that's not my experience, but that'd be pretty crappy of me to just assume everybody else has the same experience of me. Right. Whether it's you, me, other white people, people from Mexico, people from Japan, from the the Far East, whatever, wherever you're from, to have that mentality of like, no, what. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps despite being born into poverty, despite being, you know, born in this area, that thing, or my parents both died when I was cool. Okay. That, that is your experience. And I'm really sorry that that stuff happened to you. Instead of that being the response, people are like, yeah, well, you don't, you don't know my life and uh, you don't know what I've been through. And it's all about your own experience. Like why can't I listen to what you and Kivon are both saying and say, man, that just sucks. Can we just start there? Like that just sucks. And I'm sorry. I don't, man. Mike, Mike, I'm going to give a plug for a book that I just finished reading. And I've been telling everybody, <laughs> shining from the rooftops, how to be an anti-racist by Ibram yes. X. Kennedy. And oh what he God. does in there, he flips everything on its head because he talks about if you're a racist, 
that's when you're expressing racist ideas or you're backing racist policies, period. He don't care what color you are. He don't care if you're black, white, Latino, it doesn't matter. So you could express these racist ideas against your own people. Right. And it still don't matter because you are not for the equity, for the equality, for the, you're not for every people group being the same. And that's what you were just speaking to. Every people group should be treated the same no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a black or white or Latino or Asian, everyone should be treated on the same level. And if they're not, what are we willing to do to get there? This is what's hard. Some people might have to be lowered for this to happen. Those in power will have to give up power and they don't want to give up power. And he posits that this whole thing is about power, that people are in power so they figure out how can I justify this power? And they use racism or sexism or classism or some other ism in order to justify their power. And I've seen this with white people. I've seen white people look down on other white people and call them certain names and put them in a category. White people separate themselves and they look at them like, oh, those people over there are different. And it's like, no, how about you look at everyone being the same? That like you said, listen to their story, whatever it is, but we got to bring them up to the same level. So I think that's one thing that people are missing is that if we fight for the equality of all people, that's what's most important. Man. Yeah. I, I think that the, the biggest thing that people are missing is that we're, you're talking about other human beings. And I've started using that language because we, uh, I, and I kind of mentioned this earlier about intention versus perception. Like even, even right now, uh, what you're saying about you're, you're dealing with other people, but instead I've started saying other human beings. Cause for whatever reason, like, cause we don't use that terminology enough that it shakes people up a little bit to see other people as like, Oh, you're a fellow human being and I'm a human being, but we're so used to saying those people and that person that it becomes this very, distance increasing language and i've started trying to say like no we you're you're a human being so i should care about you because i would frankly want the same and and i i've been on what you just said about like people of the same race saying things about people of the same race i've been on the receiving end of that i've been bullied i've been picked on i i got made fun of for having a single shoulder backpack when i was little i was told i was gay i was the f word like wow you're wow you're such a you know and I didn't know what to do with that. I've been told I'm uh, obnoxious because I was talking to people and I was like, okay, I, maybe I, I just talk too much. Uh, or, oh, you're a nerd because you like to play video games. Like, why don't you just play sports like everybody else? Why don't you play sports like the the cool kids? Why don't you play sports like the normal people? <laughs> I'm like, man, maybe I like playing Super Mario because I don't have to deal with you, you know? So I can get away <laughs> from you by going to play Super Mario. So true. <laughs> So true. Uh, anyway, I that's like I told Elizabeth, and I've said this before. I, I like playing online games, and I, that's my decompression because my uh, my choices in those virtual worlds don't impact my real world. So for once, I get a break of like dealing with all that mentally and stuff like that. So anyway, I wanted to to kind of bring it back to current events, um, and we can go through these as, as simply or as complex as you want to when you hear about another black person being killed at all, at all from somebody, uh, the little kid being shot in his own car while his dad's driving up in Chicago, I think it was, or Detroit, one of those two from random drive-by to George Floyd, the names we know, Breonna Taylor, all of that. How does it make you feel in general? And how did it feel when you heard the news about 
Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Will I be the next hashtag? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it hurts. Uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, it, it hurt. And um, we knew what was up when we first heard the story. You didn't have to have the video. But the video just confirmed it. It made it. I mean, I wasn't going to watch it at first, and I did, and it's heartbreaking. And Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd. It's like Alvin says, "Well, I'll be the next hashtag." What will someone try to say about Alvin Brown, even though we all know him, even though he's well loved and he's a pastor and yeah. he does all these things? What would someone say in that moment? Oh, he was reaching for his gun, or he must have had something in the car, or he he ran the red light. That character like, assassination. For you to die. Oh, 100%. Those all hurt. No matter what, it, it hurts seeing a life being taken. And that's where I got to, where no matter what, when a life is taken from this earth, that is something to mourn. It's tragic. Like, that should not happen. It's tough. And after um, after Mart Arbery, it was a lot. And then the next, you know, you hear about Breonna Taylor. That was a lot. But when George Floyd hit, and it was all within like two weeks. Right. I, it, it broke me. Like yeah. it, it was a lot. Like I know I couldn't even, I couldn't have got on this podcast right after that. Yeah. There's no way I could have talked. And you knew that we talked about that. There was yeah. no way I was in any frame of mind <laughs> to talk. It's taken a whole month and some days right. to even get to be here. It, it hurts. It's a lot. Yeah. And then you add I, to that Elijah McClain. Mm-hmm. Like, like Man, I, I go, like, we don't, yes. we don't get a chance to stop and decompress because about the time we decompress, bam, another one shows up, and that's the that's the blessing and the curse in having smartphones, you know, and and just video because I to a certain extent, and you and we've all heard the phrase, video don't lie, <laughs> and in this case, it's catching a lot. Um, from everything yeah. that's from being said to everything being seen. And like I said, I think for me, I boil it down to the phrase, and I, I've used this with Kivana, it's like, truth is I'm tired. That's the truth. I'm tired. I'm tired yeah, of definitely the truth. seeing people being killed, seeing people being kneeled on and it's and then you you take it even to like george floyd just hone in on that for a minute and go a police officer kneeled on this man and if you juxtapose what did colin kaepernick do he kneeled Mm -hmm. he was colin kaepernick was kneeling to bring life and light to a situation this other officer kneeled brought darkness brought on death Mm. and the reality was Kaepernick let's be real he didn't start out kneeling no he actually just he was sitting chilling on the bench Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until he actually had a conversation I believe with Nate Boyer it was Nate Boyer yeah um he was American soldier uh I believe like a reserve or what Green Beret Beret. I I was gonna say he was a spec ops yeah Yeah. so he's a Green Beret and was encouraged by Nate. Which quick pause. That's that's an example of relationship right. yes. bringing change. Yes. yes. So like yes. a lot of people wanted to give flag to Kaepernick and Kaepernick and which 
I have, I have such an irritation with this nowadays where they say, oh, well, he should just be playing football. He should just do – like, he, sh- he doesn't need to be talking about this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, first of all, uh-huh. you're saying that on Facebook, you individual. Like, then maybe you <laughs> should be quiet too. But for some reason, we're going to – it's that old school, like, mentality of, like, you should be set – like, you should be held to a certain set of rules, but not me. I should not be able me. to say whatever I want, you know. And, yeah. and it's like – Oh, well, I wouldn't say that in a professional setting. Fool, I have been in a professional setting and people say crap. Don't don't lie yes, to me. me too. We all have. Yes. I, yeah, so with the, with the, the kneeling stuff, it's like, he, first, yeah, he did start off uh, just sitting on the bench and um, a lot of people found that to be really disrespectful. And they're like, oh, well, you're kneeling. You need to you need to be standing for the flag and you're disrespecting, blah, blah, blah. Not even addressing why he's doing it. Not even right. being willing to listen to why he's doing what he's doing. But then you had somebody else who disagreed with him from what it sounded like at first. He's like, hold on, you're not going to disrespect me and the people that I fought for that died because of this flag. But I'm going to, I'm at least willing to talk to you. Right. And he went in and he, they, they came together. They embraced where each other stood on the subject. And when they came out of, according to what I read, it was a closed door, just the two of them, no cameras, no microphones, nothing. Yep. When they came out, Kaepernick was kneeling because that's a sign of solidarity uh, in the sports world, that if somebody gets injured, you take a knee. You take a knee. That's what we've always done. Someone gets injured. It's a sign that something is wrong. It's a sign that there is someone hurt and we need to stop. We need to pray. We need to be aware of the situation. We need to want healing. We need to check in on that person. And like um, Boyer told him, in the military, it's a sign of respect. You right. kneel at someone's grave. Like, you know, you it's kneeling was so much better than sitting, and it changed everything. Yet people, and this is what's so interesting, like you said, the juxtaposition of the officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck. And then you also have, hey, peaceful protest. That is as peaceful as you can get. Not a person was harmed. And because... People responded to it where they were fighting and arguing. Now, four years later, people are protesting in the streets and we're like, hey, we've been saying this. We mm-hmm. said this when Kaepernick took a knee. And if we had started reform at that moment, things would be different. And so if this is the moment now, let's make it different. Let's not ignore when people say these things. Let's not come back four years from now and be like, you know what? You were right on that. Yes, listen, listen, we're saying it right now. Please jump on board with this. Right. Is here's, there, a, it, here's, a, here's the thing, though. Here's something that's funny about this. We were not distracted as a society. If, if and when you look at it, we were not distracted. Why? We didn't have sports. Everything that COVID brought on pretty much locked us inside a house. So the only thing that you really did have were devices, but we weren't blinded by sports or anything else. Gambling, not, none of these things existed And then at the moment that we begin to try to come out and restart our lives, we're met with this brutal incident. And Mm. it's sobering because we had detoxed over Mm. the course of eight, nine weeks before these incidents happened. So we weren't under the influence of anything other than to see reality for what it was worth. And so to see that reality, not only at the individual level, but at the societal level, at a global level, because this woke up folks in England, in London, like it's not the Berlin protests were bigger than everybody else. Right. So, so it's, it's that thing that I go, this is impeccable timing. 
it's just hard to keep seeing hashtag after hashtag after hashtag. We're, yes, we're going to change policies, but po we all know policies don't change a man or a woman's heart. It does not change a person's heart. Um, at the end of the day, though, I believe that we're fighting for one word, and I sent y'all both um, that image. That's what I was sending y'all. I texted it to you, but it's an interesting thing, and it's probably something that you could include with the podcast, but it's four squares, basically, and it talks about equality, equity, reality, and then liberation. And while we kind of are on the terms of equality, oftentimes I truly believe our hearts really want to be liberated. That's where we yeah. really want to, to stand. Yeah. Um, it's one thing for all three of us, we're all different heights, um, to be standing on a box and it's like, well, you got a box, you're equal. Well, <laughs> no, because Alvin Brown will never be six foot four. Yeah, I was going to say, Alvin, I'll get you a box. It's fine. <laughs> right. Right. And so, and so then we move and we say, okay, well, from equality to get Alvin to six foot four, we'll give him two boxes. Micah, you get no box and keep on, you get one. <laughs> well that's that's equity but is it truly liberation because it's only a matter of time that something else is going to come along the fence is going to rise now i can't see what's crazy about this in particular is that looking at this picture and uh for those of us i, I will post it to our account so that you can see what we're talking about but this picture it's the the three guys of different heights i assume they're guys uh there's a fence they're trying to watch a baseball game and the equality says, okay, they're all going to stand on one box each. Equity says they're going to stand on as many boxes as it takes to get them to the same height. Reality is the guy on the left has like seven boxes, middle person has one box, and the other person has actually been dug into a hole in the ground. And then liberation is there's no fence in the first place, so all of them can see. <laughs> to, to set the, the tone, of what is happening in reality of social media, of conversations and everything, is that people see this picture and I have literally had people argue about the fence and how, oh, so you're saying we should build a wall? Boy, do you even understand like how <laughs> art works? Like we're trying to make a point. We're not talking about a fence. We're not trying to build the wall. We're not talking about that. This is a whole different metaphor and then the, the issue is that people aren't understanding what the core conversation is about. Yeah. And I, I fear for any kind of progress that's supposed to be made that needs to happen because people aren't wanting to listen to what the core conversation is about. People are yeah. more concerned about what a man named Sean King said than what really is happening to people that live on your same street, that people live right down the block from you that are experiencing when they are driving back from Del Rio. I mean, why, why are we getting so hung up on the outliers that we can't even talk about the core subject? Uh, that's, so when I see your picture, that's, that's all I can think of is how people are going to argue about, well, maybe the other one should have handed him his box. And well, why are they even at a baseball game? Like COVID's happening. It's like, right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. But isn't that the picture of the, of the human heart? We're willing to be distracted by any and everything else with the exception of the real thing at heart. The real yeah. thing at play. Well, it's like, difficult, Alvin. Why would I want to talk about something that's going to be uncomfortable? Not that exactly. we've been on this episode for you know, two so hours. Sorry. So true. <laughs> that's so true. Well, think Man, about it. 
Yeah, it's the whole thing with this. Like, like you're saying, Micah, I first, I'd only seen equality and equity before. And it made sense. And this is what people don't understand. Your thinking evolves. As my thinking evolves, I was, I was all, all for equality at first. Yes, equality. Then I was like, oh, man, equity. Yes, I need equity. But then now I'm like, oh, yeah, it's liberation. Tear the fence down. You know, but then, like you said, people will be upset. Well, what about the people that paid to get into the game? What about, you know, why are we tearing down fences? Like, what? Well, that would be, they put, they paid good money to put up that fence. And you're like, you don't yeah. see it. What we want is There were immigrant everyone... workers who built that fence. You're discriminating <laughs> yeah, on them yes. now. And it's like, oh, yes. my gosh. That oh, wasn't even the issue. We're conversation. Talking... This is not yeah. a conversation, yes. Mm-hmm. First the fence, now the syrup, what's next? Yes, <laughs> and Alvin said it. They're not willing to do that hard work. Look right. inside. Should Do you think, and this is the problem, do you think everyone should be able to see that baseball game? And their answer is no. And if they can't come to that grip that everyone should be able to see the baseball game, then they won't. They think, no, I paid money for this. I got here bootstraps, however I got here, but I got here and I'm in these seats. So you got to do what you do to get here. And I'm not going to help you. That's not my job to help you. So that's the issue. That is uh, the, <laughs> I don't have much more to say. I mean, that, that is everything in a nutshell in one picture <laughs> in all the different ways you could take it. I was even thinking like, you know, honestly, I don't even really like baseball, but somebody out there is going to argue like, well, I don't even want to see the baseball game. Like, why do they even care? You're missing the point yet again. Um, right. And you can't you can't tell somebody like you're missing the point because then it becomes combative and well maybe your point is wrong and why can't my point be different? Oh right. Gosh, I'm, I'm but but are we but are we are we here to argue about what's right and wrong or are we here to talk about life and death? Those are two different things. They can be because I those would are say, two different things. You know, people, well, somebody made this comment um, and I it, it was shocking to me. Um, Kivon, for all I know, it was probably you that posted it, but because um, <laughs> I most of my own internal thoughts have been fed through Kivon's posts because generally, like, I read everything that you like linked to because I'm like, I don't want to take something at face value and then I get confronted about it and then I find out that I'm just the person being a parrot over here repeating things. <laughs> anyway, somebody made the point that every person that had been, according to our justice system, every person that has been killed by an officer was innocent. Not, not, not like, Oh, well, but you know, George Floyd, he held a gun to a pregnant woman. Okay. He, he has served time. He has done, he's been punished. And I get that. But in that moment, that officer did, did not legally have the right to take his life according to our justice system, because you're innocent until proven guilty. And for me personally, that just shook me of like, wait, now that you say that, and I, I understand people can, you can make the arguments like, oh, well, if somebody draws a gun on an officer, then, you know, then it's a, a defensive thing. And I, and I get that. But in Breonna Taylor's case, she was asleep. Mm, in George Floyd's case, he didn't fight them. Like, go watch the video, man. I he know. Didn't fight with them. So your argument of like, well, what if they have a gun? You Again, you're talking about the fence. You're not even talking about the people trying to watch a baseball game. Okay. So I, that, that's something that really shook me of like these people, according to our own justice system, were innocent when they died. They didn't have a trial. They didn't have a jury. They didn't have any of the evidence brought against them, whatever. They were just killed. So I wanted to ask this. Uh, this is something that I've, I've faced and I, I don't really have an answer for. I want to know what your answer is. 
does it change anything when you hear about the situation surrounding a death? So for example, this is, this is the one that has really gotten to me. Uh, people have confronted me about it. They're like, well, what about when Michael Brown had found out that he tried to reach you're going? Well, I gave you the note, so you should know where it was going. But <laughs> like when Michael Brown wrestled with the cop, that to me isn't any more character assassination. That is, okay, what actually happened that caused that officer to actually draw his weapon? And, and so I want to know from, from y'all, in that, is that particular situation different than something like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor? Is it, in your mind, the same? What, I want to hear from you unfiltered unedited how does it feel does it change anything when you find out what was going on with the situation i think for i think for me what changes i give you my own personal antidote here and, and it's i was walking the other day walking in northwest austin about five minutes from the church walking and as i come down the street I realized there is a constable on the same side of the street facing me as I'm walking. And literally my heart rate began to pick up. I could sense it. I was like, oh, shoot. I got to walk past the constable. I'm not doing anything, mind you, but I got to walk past the constable. Well, as I'm walking, the lights go on. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. And... He approaches me and I'm just like, oh gosh, what now? Is this my moment that I become hashtag? He oh, rolls down the windows and he says to me, he says, good, says, good morning, how are you? I was like, I'm doing good. Um, he's like, hey, I just want to let you know that there is a dog that has gotten loose out here um, and he's pretty vicious from what we've been told. And I'm hearing him, but all the time I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, sir, you have no clue what you just put me in and through. And he was like, are you okay? And I told him, I said, well, I said, you have to forgive me. I said, but I'm a black male and you rolled up on me with lights <laughs> on. Yeah. I said, so he was like, oh, and he was very apologetic. He was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I didn't really even think it through. I was more about you know, just trying to make sure he was actually doing his job, serving and protecting, making sure that I knew and had the best chance of living. And what was yeah. so interesting to me was as I was watching him, there was a lady that a white lady that came out of her house and she stood there. And she just stood and stood and stood until the officer left. And then after the officer left, I looked across, she made eye contact with me, she waved and went, went on back in. And so it let me know, like, she saw me, she sees me. And so when I hear things like Michael Brown's situation, it, and you find out, and I'm like, even if, you know, you find out that, hey, a person was selling drugs, a person was doing it, I'm like, does it really warrant that someone's life is taken? Like, that's the thing that I get back to. I'm like, it's not about right or wrong. That person could have been wrong, but does it mean actually take their life and again yeah. it goes to your point if it, if we are truly talking about the innocent then you know it's like well shoot let's apprehend the person if if you're gonna shoot them i'm going man 
does it have to be right there at the heart? Does it have to be at the head or wherever? It's like, are we, how are, how are we training? How are we teaching? And like I said, the bigger situation that adds the most into this is what's going on in the middle state of the person being apprehended as well as the officer. Are they in a state of, of uh, fear? What, what's going on mentally, um, you know, that drives these situations? Yeah, that's something that I've talked a lot about. Um, I, uh, when, the, when the whole situation with George Floyd happened, there was immediate outcry of, this is another example of racism and this white officer on this black man. And I personally was quick to say, okay, we, I can agree that this is absolutely terrible. And I couldn't even watch the full video. I, I got through like two minutes and I was like, I can't finish this. Like, this is not something I want to see. I understand what happened. And, and I have watched the videos up to that point now. So I'm like, he wasn't even doing anything. Like, what is wrong with people? But I was not quick to say this is automatically a racist issue. Right. Reason being, I, I cannot know what was going on in that officer's mind. Period. Yeah. I can only know what he tells me. I can only know whatever his background history is. I can, I can assess all of that. I cannot know what that internal drive of his heart was to kneel on George Floyd's neck for right. eight minutes and what, 26 seconds. So I, yeah, I don't 46. know. So I, I don't know that I can't make that judgment call. I can very much though say that this officer either did not need to be a police officer period or some kind of training needed to take place. that said this, this whole situation with the knee on the neck, that doesn't need to be happening anymore. I can get right. on board with that. But unfortunately, I, I feel like there is because, and I'm I'm willing to admit the history has now led to why we react the way we do. There have been so many instances of an officer killing a black, a white officer killing a black person that now our knee jerk reaction is it's racist. Yeah. And so I that's been a, a very. I have a minor in sociology, so I feel like I'm a professional people watcher all the time. So it's very interesting to watch people and see how situations play out because of our own interpretation and our own life experiences that then modify how we're interpreting whatever's going on. Alvin, do you believe that supporting police and supporting the black community, black people in general are mutually exclusive or simultaneously possible? I feel like I'm going to know your answer, but I want you to give your own answer to the question. Yeah, I believe that that both of them can be done. Um, and, and, and obviously, it's a, you know, when you hear phrases like uh, defund the police. So for instance, we're back to semantics again. And for some people, it's a when they hear defund the police, it's basically ban the police altogether. For other people, it's a matter of really redistribution of funds. Um, and then for others, that, it's, that doesn't sound as nice, Alvin. We should we shouldn't <laughs> say that. That's ridiculous. Right. And then for the other, it is redistribute as well as repolicy. Uh, and so it it's all these different words, but it, it kind of goes back to the thing of Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. So people just start, you know dumping their own semantic phrases into it. And so I do believe that uh, both can be done and be done well. Uh, I think that 
all systems are going to all systems and communities are going to have to come together and come in such a way that we have to be uh, transparent with where things stand, no matter how ugly it may seem. We have to be transparent with where things are at, both in uh, in the community at large, but certainly in the black community and certainly in the um, realms of policing. It's like we can't, someone says, well, hey, we need to do something about police brutality. And the response to that is, well, let's do something about black. What about black on black crime? Well, it's like, eh. while that may be a yeah. point, again, where are we coming from, from the heart? Are you coming from a place of weaponizing that data? And deflection, if anything. Yeah, just to make your point and to deflect, or um, are we really coming to the table with, okay, well, the data says this, but here's what I believe, and here's how I believe we can actually make a positive change. But right. just to point out and say, well, black on black crime needs to end before the police get their act together. Well, that's not cool either. Right. I mean, the... <laughs> the string of logic there is like black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Okay. Uh, the mm, pause, let's, uh, let's figure out where that was coming from. And then it's like, well, exactly. we need to talk about police, uh, pl honestly, criminal activity towards black people. What about black on black? Okay. Time out. I don't know that you really like, <laughs> we're thinking about that prior to what I just said. So that makes me, intuitively understand that it's more of a deflection and a distraction than actual care for what's going on. And I do have, uh, I, I do have a, a few black friends who have, they have been saying like, we need to address um, talking about Planned Parenthood and abortions. We need to talk about black on black crime. We need to talk about these things that are affecting the black community in a greater way. And I, from everything I've heard, it's, it's not, from from people like you who you are black and you're saying like no we're not discounting those situations we're just tackling them one at a time right and if we don't address this that currently does have people's attention you can't if people don't like care about something they're not going to change it right now people are caring about this so let's start with this let's build some momentum and then start just tackling one thing at a time and i see that from kivan unfortunately he had to roll off uh, for another meeting but I, I see that from kivan's post he's like one more. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's right. keep going. We got the Confederate flag banned from NASCAR. Who would have thought that would have happened, but it did. Now let's move on to the next thing. Now we've got Aunt Jemima. This has been a placeholder for X, Y, and Z. This has been what it means to the black community. Some people are like, well, what about the original Aunt Jemima? This is her real name. And what about her family? And they're outraged. And it's like, okay, but the heart of the issue, again, we're not talking about the minor details surrounding it. The heart of the issue is what does that support in our community, in our society. And so I, I see a trend of, uh, you know, my own optimistic thinking. I see the ripple effects and the domino effect of like, okay, we did this one thing. Colorado just passed some legislation that I think is moving in the right, right direction. That's great. Who's the next state going to be? Right. Who, who's going to be trying to tackle this after that? And then I don't know what's going to happen in the election in November. I don't think there's personally uh, very good options any either direction. Uh, but nonetheless, I do look forward to seeing just the fact that there's election, what happens? Because all sorts of things get brought to light during election season. That's the whole way they get hired in the first place. So I'm looking forward to seeing what is brought to the limelight and see what kind of change we can have from there. Um, I know that 
the whole idea of blue lives matter, black lives matter, support the blue, back the blue, that sort of thing. It has become a polarization issue. And from the people that I know, like you, like Yvonne, like other people from church and um, people from my community, they don't, it's not a polarizing topic. It's a, we see something infected within the body that needs to be cut out and needs to be treated. I'm not saying kill off the person. I'm just saying treat the infection. So uh, I wanted to read this. This was a direct status from Kivon. Um, and I would have loved for him to read it, but I guess I'll have to settle my own voice. <laughs> but here's, here's what he said. And uh, it is numbered even on his post. Number one, we know that all police officers are not bad. I shouldn't have to say this in a post like this, but people always try to twist things to make it seem like me and others who express sadness and anger over this, uh, like this, are anti-police. We're not anti-police. We are anti-racism. And even more than that, higher than that, we are pro-people. I am more for the fair treatment and dignity of this man than anything else. That needs to be understood. That being said, in this travesty, there are still people to blame. Corporately, this is about the systems and policies that allow tragedies like this to happen. This is about lawmakers, city officials, and police chiefs refusing to change the way that people are apprehended. Individually, this is about the lack of humanity involved in making arrests like this. This is about ignoring the image of God in each individual we encounter. Number two, that was just number one. Number two, rooting out bad practices and removing individuals unfit for the job doesn't destroy the occupation. It elevates it. Think about it. As an educator, if I wanted to expose bad practices and fire teachers that were predators or abuse students, you would praise me. This is the same. If officers were fired and policies immediately change, we would all applaud. It would instantly help to restore faith in the system. When nothing changes, our hearts continue to break. Fear is then over elevated over faith. Number three, if someone says I can't breathe, take your knee off their neck. He is handcuffed on the ground, complaining of breathing problems and losing consciousness, all because of a forgery? Ten minutes of I can't breathe is not only unacceptable, it's disgusting. Number four, this following exchange hurts and shows the real problem. A bystander says, he's not even resisting arrest. He's human, bro. One of the officers then replies, this is why you don't do drugs, kids. This ain't about drugs, bro. He's human, the bystander says. He's human. That's all that should matter. I thought that was extremely powerful when I read it the first time. I thought that that really brought things down to a, a very, for lack of a better, more creative word, human level. And uh, I unfortunately think that we're missing that a lot of the time, which is why we started even on this episode of um, just getting to know you guys, you know, where, where your background is, where you come from, that sort of thing. So um, before we, we cut this, and honestly, I might have to crop this whole thing into two episodes before we even do a third episode. <laughs> Guys, we have so many other questions and topics and nuances that we wanted to talk about, but uh, we have already gone super long, so we're going to just have to do another episode. I'm not even going to say if it's second or third because I, I may have to chop this into two, but we will have Alvin and Kivon back on uh, to go through some more of that because I feel like, 
many people who are silent right now don't know where to stand. They don't know, they don't have friends like I do as a white person who I can say, okay, I hear you saying all lives matter, but I've heard directly from my friend, Mike, who can't go into a store without being approached by a security officer. Uh, I've had another friend who's been pinned on the hood of a, a hot cop car when he was trying to go to his job. I have these personal experiences. Not everybody has that. And so I want to make sure the people who are out there saying, I know that something's wrong with what's happening, but I don't know what to do about it. Maybe you're listening to this podcast and maybe this is what encourages you. So I want to have Alvin and Kivon back uh, to kind of do an, an additional part of this whole conversation. But for the time being, Alvin, I'd love for you to give the audience some encouragement as a parting word uh, for people on all sides of this topic or to a specific group what would you say and who would you say it to? Yeah, I think if, you know, to, to everybody, the, the real issue is our hearts. Um, while it's easy to point the finger at the other man, it's really our hearts. Like we have to be willing to come to the table to do the hard heart work. Um, and as you've heard me say many times throughout this, this podcast, my belief is, it's not that we're in this for the right or the wrong. That's not why we're here. We're here to walk with each other in the humility of our humanity, because this is truly a life or death situation. That's what we're up against. That's what we're dealing with, is that some of these issues of racism, of sin that run deep and high deep in areas of our heart, if not dealt with, they will grow, they will fester, and at some point they will lash out. And they will lash out and there will be more hashtags. Um, and so if there is one hashtag that I want to end this show with is saying is standing up for the hashtag of humanity. Of mm. humanity. Um, stand up for your neighbor. If you yeah. don't know your neighbor, don't let color, don't let anything stop you from just simply reaching out, being human, offering a gesture, offering a smile. Uh, saying good morning, going deeper in the question. Yes, you may have, um, you may fumble and stumble through some of these conversations, but that's life. That's relationship. It's stumbling and bumbling our way through these conversations, but getting closer and learning from our mistakes, learning from our blind spots. Um, and so with that, you know, I, I bid you well. Um, and I hope that that all of us can keep coming back to this table, keep pulling up a seat at the table and going into deeper dives, uh, you know, about the areas of race um, and about the areas of justice. I love it. Thanks, Alvin. Um, and last but not least, Alvin probably wasn't planning on doing this, but Alvin, I would love for you to tell everybody about your podcast that you do so that we can send people your way if they're interested. Yeah, so I have a podcast. Uh, so for the last seven years, uh, going on eight, actually eight, yeah, no, seven years going on eight years. Um, I have a podcast about domain name investing. And so if anybody wants to learn about virtual real estate and how you can uh, actually grow your business. So in some cases you can grow your business, some cases you can actually turn it into a business as I've done in terms of helping people to find the right domain name for their business and brand. Uh, then I invite you over to kickstartcommerce.com as well as kickstart.fm. 
um, and tune in just to you know a couple episodes where I interview domain investors, um, domain brokers, those who we call domain developers. So they've taken a domain, developed a full-fledged business on it, as well as what we call the end users are folks who um, actually go out and you know purchase uh, a uh, domain name. So there are a couple of interviews um, that are out there that would certainly help you to learn a little bit more about the uh, digital uh, disciplines and strategies of how to use domains to grow your business. I've, I've listened to a couple of your episodes. It's some of it is over my head. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening right now, uh, but it makes sense. You hold on to a domain for any period of time and then you try to sell it for a profit, uh, yeah. I, which is something I've had to learn about having a, to those listening, I do have a domain name and I'm creating a website. However, a lot more goes into that than I thought it did, kind of like with the podcast, which fun fact, everyone, if you're wondering how this all started with the podcast, it actually started with Alvin Brown. He was the person behind the scenes who helped me get our first episode uploaded, our logo uploaded and resize and everything, even helped us figuring out how to host a podcast through Podbean. So I do owe a lot of gratitude to Alvin. Uh, I hope you feel honored. Uh, oh, man. Be, uh, continue to have you back on the, the podcast. Certainly, man. Thank you for having me. And like I said, man, hey, we're doing what we're talking about, helping our next brother or sister out. There with, you go. You know, hey, with those areas that we may not be um, so versed in. Yeah, I love that. And I, I hope that this encourages people to build relationships and not walls. Uh, I think that ultimately will be the solution to anything productive happening from everything that's been happening. Exactly. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I appreciate you listening in today with the uh, second part of the interview with Alvin and Kivon. As I mentioned towards the end there, I will be having kind of a follow-up interview. Uh, It might just be Alvin, might just be Kivon, could be both of them. Not sure just yet, but there will possibly be another follow-up. Nonetheless, I appreciate you listening into this conversation. As you heard with both Kivan and Alvin and then myself, we all think that one of the biggest parts missing to any polarizing topic within the society we live in right now is that we miss out on the humanity of what we're going through. We miss out on talking to each other as human beings and not just fellow keyboard warriors fighting against each other in you know the us versus them type of terminology. So I want to encourage you again to start having conversations, even if they're uncomfortable, have those conversations with each other, with people who disagree with you and have conversations that are productive. That's about as much as I can say from me to you just through a podcast. Nonetheless, wanted to give you uh, some details. I will be posting in the links uh, the the link directly to that book that Kivon mentioned, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I'll give you the exact Amazon link. And just a heads up, if you buy it through that link, it will actually give us a kickback, me a kickback on the podcast so that you can support the podcast. So if you like the podcast and you want to support it and you also want to support your own education, by all means, go follow that link to How to Be an Anti-Racist. Second, I will be providing the links that Alvin mentioned to his podcast. Uh, I have a lot of honor and respect towards him with what he's done for this podcast getting off the ground. If you want to just, here you go verbally, go to kickstartcommerce.com or go to kickstart.fm. 
That is Alvin's podcast that he heads up. He's been doing it for quite some time. If you really want to get into the the nitty-gritty details of how to have a domain side job of investing in domain names and making revenue off of that, that'd be the way to go. Maybe this is the first time you've ever even heard of it. I, I hadn't heard of it until I met Alvin, so... Who knows? Maybe it's the same thing for you. Either way, that's the best way to do that. Last but not least, if you love this podcast, don't forget that one way to support us, uh, me, I keep saying us, it's me. One way to support the podcast is to use your Audible trial. That's audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. That will get you a free 30-day trial. I haven't double-checked to see if how to be an anti-racist is on there. I bet it is but I don't know that with 100% confidence. You can listen to it for free if you're an audible learner like I am. You could cancel it anytime, but I don't think you'll want to do that. Nonetheless, you do that and it will help out the podcast. Um, also, be sure to connect to us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are going to be the best ways to stay uh, in the loop of what we're doing. On top of that, share away. Share the episode with your friends, post about it, talk about it. The best way to spur on conversation is to start conversation. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, One other thing that I wanna mention kind of in tandem with the topics we've been talking about. I will be having a police chief on here from my local city, Leander, uh, here in just a few weeks. I'm not exactly sure when the episode will drop, but I want to give you all that update because I want to make sure that we're including every side of every topic. I want to have police chief Greg Minton on here to explain his side of everything, his background, where he's coming from as a police chief. So I'm looking forward to that. I just want you all to know that I'm trying to practice what I preach. That's it. That's all I have for you. I wish you all the best and we'll see you on the next episode.